couple of months, maybe three months or so ago now, I don't know, time flies and you're having fun. and so. But I was able to be with the flowers actually at, at their church for their fourth anniversary. And uh, the Lord was so good to us that day. And I am, these people have become friends of ours. And um, when they came to Arkansas, we just kind of were knit together. And so uh, this is not their first time being around our church. They've been, been here for different things in the, in the past. But this is their first time to get for this to be their home away from home. And um, it's just been a, a great blessing and honor for us. Uh, one of the things I appreciate, appreciate about Brother Flowers is that he is hungry for the things of the Spirit of God. And where we're at as a church right now, folks, what, what we're experiencing, it's not, it doesn't just happen. It's not happenstance. This only happens when you hunger for this and, and, and you have desire for this. And so I, I feel like we're in just a very unique moment in the history of Sanctuary Church. And God's had his hand on us, and I thank him for that. And I can't wait to see what all happens during this, during this season of, of the moving of the Lord. And so we wanted him to be here, and I'm glad he's able to do that tonight. And we just say we thank God for you, your family. We thank God for the work that y'all are doing in Marion, the great church you pastor there. I've told our church I used to get so frustrated when people would come by and, and still maybe to this day, you know, we'll do. And, and they'll come by and say, one of these days, this is going to be a great church. I'd get so ticked, Brother Flowers. I'd, I'd want to jump up and shout at them, it is a great church. It is a great church. They pastor a great church, and uh, the Lord's blessed them. And so thank you for being here tonight. Come and minister to us however you feel tonight. This may not be just typical evangelists coming in. This will probably be a little bit different than what we're typically used to. We are talking about a little bit. But would you let them know how glad we are they're here? Praise the Lord, everybody. It's an honor to be here. So what I'm wanting to talk to you about tonight, when we came in here Monday night for prayer, first of all, Sister and Flowers and I were under a bit of duress. There was a whole lot going on. And we were very prayerful. But I just said, Lord, you know, in my mind, I thought, Lord, help us to clear our minds and just pray. And so I began to pray. And when I began to pray, I began to see some of you some of you I've never seen before, but I saw you, and the Lord wants to impart some gifts to you. So I said, okay, okay, Lord, since you've made us live in Jonesboro, and we can't live in Marion right now, I'm going to raise all kinds of cane, and I'm going to drive around this city and begin to pray. You know, so they're going to get, the, you know, we're going to make the devil miserable while we're here. And we've invited people to church, hadn't got anybody yet, but we have been praying. Amen. And so I began to pray, and the Lord began to talk to me about this church. Amen. I should say one thing before I move any farther. It's good to have my friends Sean and Amy Butler here. I don't think it's coincidence that Sean is here. Sean prays for me probably every day and has called me many times with the word from the Lord, for my life and so it just so happened he's here 
tonight. This is not pre-planned. At Monday afternoon, none of us knew this was going to be happening. Amen. And so this is this is how this came about. And so here we are. There is a waxing and a waning to the kingdom of God. They went into Canaan, then they were beat around for a while, and then they came back strong, and then they were beat around for a while. And then another man came, and finally David came, and, and David didn't let anybody do any beating. He did all the beating, and he took it to what it had prophesied, had been prophesied to be. Amen. Despise not prophesying. Prophecy does not die. It may get delayed, but it does not die. Amen. Amen. And so in the seven spirits of God, the reason I read that is because there is a spirit that is, to, in my mind, where I'm at right now, it is the most important aspect of entering into everything else and that is the fear of the lord we have law if we have lost anything in 2019 our culture has completely lost the fear of the lord but let me give you a heads up on something if you think that we're going to walk into apostolic revival without the fear of the lord you are badly deceived Amen. We are going to have to enter into a new phase, a new era of the fear of the Lord. Am I the only person in the room who fights seeing through a glass darkly? Trying to see my way forward and not getting there? I'm going to suggest to you something tonight that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But wisdom is one of the seven spirits of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And this is all coming out of Proverbs 1 through 9. But it is one of the seven spirits of God. Why don't people get the Holy Ghost when we pray for them? What's the most common thing they lack? Repentance. But fear of the Lord brings repentance. And so what's lacking in our midst as a society, I'm not saying here, as a society is the fear of the Lord. But it's going to have to grow in the church if it's going to be able to impact outside of the church. Amen. And so I'm going to tell you a little story that's going to explain to you why I say things that make it sound like I think I'm somebody. And I do not think I'm somebody. I just, I've just got to. So I'm sitting one day. We're at a friend's party. It's all guys. They own 900 and something acres and down in Mississippi. And his daddy built a little three-story hunting shack. And it is probably worth about $500,000. And inside of there, there is a jacuzzi hot tub. And we're out there, he and I, and we're just talking. And he looks at me, and he's full of the spirit. He looks at me, and he says, you know, I miss some of the things you used to say and the boldness that used to be in your life. And I looked at him, and I was convicted. When he got up and walked off, leaving me sitting there and the Holy Ghost began to speak to me and the Holy Ghost said you have quenched my spirit long enough it is time for you to open your mouth and begin to talk when I talk to you or else and I didn't want to know what or else was and so the moment that happened now you may not believe me but the biggest falling star you've ever seen in your life went across the sky from one side to the other with the big white tail. 
I mean, right that instant, and it scared me. And so I was, okay, Lord, I, I heard you, and, and I, I'm going to start doing what you tell me to do. That's not, and so let's talk about something for just a moment. In Pentecost, we used to have, does anybody remember when people used to go crazy and buck and jive and snort and stomp and run into the walls and slam into metal beans, fall off platforms and break legs? We were at a pastor's church in Canada, and he danced right off the platform, and he broke his leg. He said, the Lord spoke to me after that and said, watch and pray, son, watch and pray. <laughs> and so as somebody danced in the spirit at all, we stared at him and thought, well, now, was that the Holy Ghost or was that the flesh? If anybody in this room will be honest, rarely, if ever, have you lost complete control of yourself in the spirit. That's why it says you've got to submit. It says you've got to quench not the spirit. Because you can. And the sad truth is, we do. There are people in this room that are as guilty as I am of the Lord speaking to you and saying, that person needs to be talked to about me, and you're like, I don't think so. That's just got to be the pizza. Mm-hmm. And you have no, and you have no, you think the devil walks up to us and says, I want you to go witness to the lady. You think the devil does that? The lady, the cashier needs to be talked to. The devil, you think the devil risks us? It can only be one voice. Amen. Paul wanted to go to Asia Minor. And the Holy Ghost said no. So he was going to go somewhere else. I don't remember. And the Holy Ghost said, nope, you're not going to go there. So he was, he was praying in the dream. There was a man from Macedonia that said, come to us. Come help us. And so he went and saw some of his greatest productivity ever right there. Jesus, who as a man did not cheat, he had to pray like I have to pray. He limited himself. He could have he could have changed things around, I guess, but he decided he was going to be my forerunner in all ways. And so he made himself to where he had to pray. Amen? This kind, this kind coming out, but by prayer and fasting. And they all knew none of them had been praying and fasting, and he had. And so he said, you get out. And, and so he walks up underneath Zacchaeus' tree. And we think he was going somewhere else, and he happened to stop by Zacchaeus' tree when he actually got up that morning and headed for that tree. And he looked at Zacchaeus, but you got to read what he said. I must go to your house today. What does that mean? I'm a man under authority. And so there's a job that I have to do. And the Roman centurion said to him, I'm a man under authority, and I recognize a man under authority, and so I trust you to be able to do what I'm asking you to do. You don't have to come down here. I trust you. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I've not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Because somebody was simply willing to do what God had said to do. I drove up on your property. I, I asked Brother Connell where it was, and we drove all over Jonesboro looking for it. And we finally found it. 
And I drove up on it, and the first thought in my mind was, when they get here, Katie, bar the door. When they get here, I actually said this to your pastor. You're going to be glad for every person you've invested in putting them in the leadership because you're going to desperately need them. Amen. And part of what I feel like Jesus is wanting to do tonight is put some things into some of you that you have been looking for, but you're not really sure exactly how to get there. And so I'm over here praying the other night, and I keep on seeing Brother O'Connell and I praying for some of you. you. Some of you were not there, but I saw you anyways. And so that's kind of, I'm not, you ask my wife, I do about two visions a decade. And that's just not my thing. I hear, but I don't see a whole lot. I'm more of a hearer. And, and so, you, you know, that's not me. And so I argued with the Lord and argued with the Lord. And finally, I called your pastor and said, okay, we need to do this Wednesday night. And I understand now that Sunday was a preparation for this. And there's some things I'm going to tell you. I told the Lord, I said, God, I'm not. Who's the man who preaches in San Francisco, the district superintendent? Brother Morgan, I'm not Brother Morgan. I can't do this kind of stuff. I'm not David Shatwell. That's not. And the Lord spoke to me and said, such as I have given unto you, you can give to others. And so then he spoke to me and said, this church is given to you. They're, take, they're helping your family, and I want you to give to them what you have. And so I'm here to tell you, silver and gold have I very little of. I can't say none. We bought a silver teapot, so we've got a little bit of silver. But got a gold tooth. You just can't say, No, I'm kidding. I don't have any gold teeth. But what I do have, I'm going to share with you. And I'm believing that God is going to give it to some people in the room. Remember what I said, if this doesn't resonate with you, it's okay. But I'm pleading with you, if it does, quench not the spirit. God is going to do some things in the people of this church. You already have leaders. I'm, I'm not walking in here assuming that I'm starting things that have not been started. I, I already recognize this from listening to my wife that you have developed ministry layers and levels, and, and Brother O'Connell allows you to lead. I recognize all of that. But what God wants to do, I, I believe there are a couple of areas that God wants to impart to you tonight. One of them is the gift of giving. And I'm going to talk about it in a minute, and then we're going to pray about it. One of them is the gift of faith. Because the disciples who had already been out witnessing and who had already seen things happen said, Lord, increase our faith. The man said, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. He was honest. And he got what he needed. Amen. And then I believe that God is going to put an anointing. We we take anointing and we minimize it to just the church, the pulpit, and maybe the singers. God never put those restrictions on anointing. We did that. True anointing is anointing to serve. 
And you can walk in anointing for years before you're everything God wants you to be. But you can walk there. You're talking to a man who didn't start pastoring until he was 39, who didn't carry a license. I didn't carry a license until I guess I was 36 or 37. But I had done a lot of ministry, but I'd always serve somebody else. And the Holy Ghost God, has taken me to where I am. Not that that's a high place, but I can honestly say we follow after the Spirit in our house. We're here tonight because the Holy Ghost decided we needed to be in Jonesboro. And so when they tried to drag us off to Little Rock, we've both been like, no, we're not going to Little Rock. We're going to stay in Jonesboro because we are praying for what God is going to be doing in the future in Jonesboro. Are you hearing me? And God has chosen you to be the tip of the spear. I said this to your pastor already. What I believe God is going to do is not just going to be confined to sanctuary. It's going to, it's going to be too big. It's going to boil over. And when it does, there's going to be some other churches that are going to come alongside of you. And the anointing, because when the anointing gets on people, it, it can be, it's, it's contagious. And when the, when, when the word gets out that the healings are taking place, people are going to be looking for Pentecost they're going to be looking you're in a prime place you'll know how i know you're in a prime place i drove by central baptist and they had a parking lot full on wednesday night they're hungry you don't go to church for wednesday night unless you're hungry but those who hunger and thirst are going to be filled amen those who hunger and thirst are going to be filled am i okay you don't. You have no clue how how far I am am off of what I normally like to be, <laughs> and and so I'm just trying to flow in the Holy Ghost, and I'm just saying that because I'm, like I, you know, if you, if you take somebody who normally throws fastballs and they're throwing knuckleballs, you you're probably gonna look at them funny. The first gift we're gonna talk about tonight is the gift of giving, and I'm talking about finance, and I'm not here to shake you down. But I am here to tell you a couple of stories of what has happened. Probably 12 years ago, in the church that I belong to, there was a Sunday where one of the givers in the church asked for the pulpit, and the pastor gave him the pulpit. And that church took up that day a sacrificial offering of about $370,000. I gave a good I gave the biggest offering I've ever given in my life. I don't say that for any glory. I think everybody here has figured that out by now. I was a little scared, a little worried. But I gave it anyways. And so it was about a year and a half later I met Sister Flowers, which is a miracle in and of itself. She was doing AIM work in the Baltics, and I was serving a church in Memphis. And the long story short, a Jamaican preacher told me to pick up the phone and call this number, and the lady who answers is going to be your wife. And 
And I looked at him and said, if that's the case, I'll name my first son Antonio. <laughs> well, David's middle name is Anthony, so I ain't going to do that. <laughs> so I obeyed. You keep on here. I hope you hear the word obey again. And so while we were preparing to have married life and, and we were we went back, we got married and we went over to the Baltics to finish up some work that she had unfinished that needed to be finished and they couldn't finish it. They needed her to finish it. So we went and finished it. We came back home and I was praying one day and I said, Lord, what am I going to do for a house? I just came off of AIM again. And, and AIM is, is, is uh, Korean for broke. <laughs> How am I going to do this? And he said to me, remember that offering? I said, yes. He said, you help pay off my house. I'm going to take care of yours. We went and we looked for house after house after house. It was frustration after frustration after frustration. And so finally, my, my realtor came to me and said, we're going to put you with a different realtor who has a different specialty. And she took us to HUD's. We had a cap. I'm not going to tell you the cap because it's bad. And so she took us to three three-bedroom, two-bathroom houses. We were just kind of small, nothing special. But we were like, we probably will offer on one of these three whichever one we think is the best. And she said, we're going to look at one more house. And so she takes us to this house in one of the newest subdivisions in Olive Branch, which is a bedroom community for Memphis. And I kind of got aggravated. I looked at her and said, why would you take us here? I said, this is way over our ceiling. And she laughed. She said, yeah, we're going to offer your ceiling. I said, really? She said, yeah, you never know. And so I said, okay, offer it. I mean, you know, call me back when they say no, and we'll work on one of the others. She called me back the next day, and she was laughing. She said, they took your offer. So that's not the end. We get the house fixed up. We live in it for years. And then we're getting ready to move to Marion. Now, Olive Branch at that time the house per square foot price was $77 per square foot for a used house. In Marion, it's about 91 And we really couldn't afford the difference. But when we sold that house and we got the equity out of that house, it hit me and I went back and looked. The equity was literally 10 times the offering from 12 years ago. We'd paid tithes and didn't know it. The equity got us into Marion when we wouldn't have got there on our own. We moved up here. And we're church planters, which is Japanese for broke. And so, I'm kidding. We're, we're, the Lord's blessed us. But having, you know, having to pay a mortgage and then having to house us elsewhere... I told your pastor, I said, if the Lord's with us, he's going to take care of it. If it's not, then, you know, I'll be exposed as a fraud. And so within the first week, it was taken care of. There was a man who basically his wife helped raise me from a baby. 
and they, the Lord has blessed them with the business that is a tremendous business, and he got wind of what was going on with us. And so he says, he talks to my parents, he says, I need you to tell me what's going on with Philip and how much money he needs. And so I don't know where my mom came up with the amount, but she came up with the amount. She didn't call me, but she came up with an amount. And so he sends it to us in cash. I'll just tell you, it was $2,000 cash. That was a Tuesday. On Wednesday, a man walks into his business and says, I need to buy some things here. And in one transaction, the profit, not the purchase, but the profit was $10,000. And that never happens like that. One day later, this man called my brother when he was starting the church in Oakland. He said, John, your first year of rent is paid for. I got it. That's how that business has come into existence. And what I'm wanting to tell you today, I'm not a businessman, but God has blessed me because of giving. But he has also made some businessmen what they are because of their giving. And I've heard people try to debunk this. I've heard people try to shoot this down. But the scripture says, give, and it shall be given unto you. And I heard somebody say, well, that's not talking about money. And they're actually right. It's talking about anything. You give witnessing and God will bring people in. You give prayer and God will build up your spiritual life. You give God your, your finance and he will give it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You give God your obedience and he will give you the power that you need. It's not just about money, it's about anything. You give it, he gives it back in abundance. And so what? in a minute we're going to pray over this, but God is going to light on some of you here who have the calling to be a giver. Brother O'Connell has not asked me to do this. Matter of fact, I called him and said, I'm giving you the warning in case you want to have somebody else preach tonight. This is what's going to happen. But this is what God, God wants to do it in you. Amen. God is going to take some people who allow this to fall on them, and he's going to turn you into a conduit. Everybody connect them with me. Amen. The second gift that God wants to pour into this church is the gift of faith. I was a little boy, and it hit me one day, God can do anything. God can do anything. And so I asked my dad. We, I don't, my dad wasn't really paying much attention. I said, Dad, if my thumb was cut off, could God grow it back? And he said, son, he could, but he probably wouldn't. That's not normally what he does. Move forward a few years. We're on deputation. We're traveling in a motorhome. I've hated them ever since. We had a wreck. I was in the front seat. I'd unbuckled my seatbelt for a second to pick up some magazines that had fallen down. In that second, we got blown off the road. When I woke up, I couldn't see anything from here over. There was blood squirting out of the hole here. From here to here, my face was ribbons. 
I couldn't breathe. I climbed out what was the windshield. The paramedics grabbed me and put me on a stiff board. I began to get a little shocked. My mom asked one of the paramedics, is he going to live? He said, ma'am, I'm not sure. So they put me in the ambulance, put all of us in the ambulance, and they began to pray. Mom began to pray. I don't know when it happened. I know at, I know at the spot they were looking for my eyeball on the ground, and there was blood squirting out of the socket, which would tell you it, had, it was gone. 30-minute drive to the closest hospital. When they brought us in there, they got me onto a hospital bed. They were preparing to do x-rays. They were, but the doctor said, first things first, let's find out what has happened in this eye. By then, my face was swollen so bad it was completely covered with skin. And so the doctor reached in, and he said, this is going to hurt, but I'm gonna, I've got to see what's down there. I've got to see what we're working with. And when he pulled it out, there was an eyeball. This vision in this eye for decades was far better than the vision in this eye. God may not replace the thumb, but he replaced an eyeball. And God's going to give us a gift of faith. One of the battles that we're going through, this is all interconnected. You may not realize this, but in the spirit realm, we are connected to each other. There is something about this church that flows over to Marion. I don't even know how all that works. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to know. I just I know that it does. And there is a there's a so there's a connectedness between all of us. We had a lady come in our church. She was completely eaten up with I say eaten up, that's the best word I could describe. She was anorexic. She was about five foot eight. She probably weighed about a hundred pounds. She was emaciated. We had prayed her through years ago. I just pled with her. I said, please come one Sunday. Let us pray for you. And so she came and she was carrying a Coke. And I looked at it and I knew exactly what it meant. It meant she couldn't get calories from anything else. She was hanging on to life by hair. She was standing on this side of the church. I didn't want to make a public spectacle, so I said, anybody in here who needs healing, I need you to come to the front right now. And so I prayed for all kinds of stuff, and then I went over, and I said, Eve, put your hand on her stomach. So my wife, she was a close friend of ours at the time. I said, my wife put her hand on her stomach, and I said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke this anorexia. And I just said it very, very, very quietly, or something like that, where it could not be heard. So the service went on. She went, and she was driving home. So we're in Marion. She gets to the bridge in West Memphis, and her stomach starts growling. And she texts us. She said, for the first time in six months, my stomach is growling. Well, he said, well, you know, go through the bread and then the rice, and then that's what they say to do. She went home and bought a cheeseburger and French fries. I don't think that fit that exactly. She kept it all down and ate the whole thing. God can heal anything. We had a little autistic boy. After a children's revival, he wanted to be baptized. He was 16. 
He was in the West Memphis School for Autism. It's a highly regarded school. And he went to, so we, he would not be baptized at the church. He wanted to be around his house, so we went to his swimming pool, and I climbed in the life threatened, climbed over the life-threatening ladder. <laughs> Baptize him in Jesus' name. He looked at me when he came up and said, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> and I just laughed and said, you will. He woke up the next morning. He looked at his mom. He said, I feel like I've been born brand new. He went to the school that week. Three different times, a different teacher would come out and say, what medicines did you all change with Hunter? And his mom would say, what, what are you talking about? And they said, he is completely different. He's loving. He's hugging on people. Six weeks previously, he had broken his fist, punching a wall. And God had done it. We baptized a little girl, 17, who was a prostitute. She came in with the foot cast on. I told her, I said, I'm believing that God is going to heal you in the water. She walked out with no pain. I asked her about 10 days later, have you had any pain? She said, I have had no pain. God can do anything. Not only can God do anything, he wants to do th miracles in our midst. Amen. God is going to give some people a gift of faith tonight. And this is important because faith is a prelude to righteousness. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Brother Flowers, how... I'm battling my flesh. Let me give you a little news break. Everybody in this room is battling their flesh. Battling your flesh does not disqualify you from being able to be used by the Holy Ghost. Amen. There are times the Lord allows you to be sidelined and the devil's allowed to pound on you. What do you think happened to Job? That's exactly what happened to Job. And the whole point was. Curse God and die. And God's whole point is, probably was, I'm going to show you, Satan, about this man, and I'm going to take his wife, who made it, by the way. We always trash the wife. She made it. Not only did she make it, she had many more kids. Because while he, he stood firm, she learned. And your stand for righteousness, I don't care what people say to you, my wife and I bear witness to the fact that when you're done standing for righteousness, they may not like you, but they're going to respect you. Amen. We've had to make some hard stands for righteousness that I'm not going to go into, but I'm going to tell you on the other end of that, there is a respect for both of us that is not present for anybody else because we stood for what the Word said. Your faith brings you to righteousness. Your righteousness brings you anointing. I've heard so many messages about what brings anointing, but the Bible is absolutely clear on what brings anointing. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse 9. You have loved righteousness. 
and hated, I'm, mine says lawlessness. This is the New King James. Therefore, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. The degree to which you grow in learning to love righteousness will be the degree of the anointing that you receive. So the more you, what is righteous? It's the things of God. God's righteous. You love God, you're loving righteousness. You love the things of God, you're loving righteousness. You love church, you're loving the righteous things. You love the gifts of the Spirit, you're loving the right things. You love your wife, you're loving righteousness. You love your husband, you're doing righteously. These are the things that make us righteous. And God wants to put on us anointing but he will not violate his law if you don't have righteousness work on your faith when your faith gets strong enough you'll have righteousness because when you start to realize that God is bigger and better and more worth your time than anything else then it will occur to you this is what I should be spending my time doing This is why David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house. Because anything that's got to do with God is more important than anything else. And God is looking for a church that will get the revelation that the kingdom is more important than anything else. I find, as I get older, I find myself, I don't care about things I used to care about. I So many, I could give you a list of things that I don't care about anymore. I'd rather hear about God. I'd rather talk to a preacher who's having a move of God. I'd rather have the Holy Ghost move on me again one more time. Because this is all that matters. And there's going to be wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be burned up. But it's gold and silver and precious jewels that are going to endure. And I intend to have a load when I get to heaven of things that I've done that go with me. The currency of this kingdom is souls. Your soul first. And then the souls of your children and your spouse and your family. But then the souls of other people. But that's going to come through faith and a love for righteousness. And then he'll anoint you for the service that he has for you. Anybody connecting with me tonight? Is anybody here ready to go deeper? Anybody ready to go from faith to faith? Anybody ready to go from glory to glory? Does anybody desire a deeper walk with Jesus? I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. God has been speaking to some of you, and you simply have not been used to recognizing that it's God. There are many voices in the world are none and without significance. One of the tricks of the enemy is to drown out the voice with other voices. That's why it's incumbent on us to be able to hear his voice. That's why pastors preach about controlling the amount of media that rolls through your head. Because the more you hear, the less you hear him. I'm not here to do your standards for you. 
But distraction is the biggest tool that the enemy has in North America. And he's using it maliciously and effectively and drowning out the Spirit of God. But God's getting ready to speak. He has been speaking. And we're going to hear it. There are seven churches in the book of Revelation that God addressed. And they were seven different situations. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really bad. But to every church at the end, to the saints that are alive in the church, he says, let he that hath an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You're blessed to be in a wonderful church. I've got a feeling if God wrote to you, it'd be Philadelphia or it'd be Ephesus or it'd be something really good. But at the end of it, he would say to you, let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. And there's one more thing he says, to him that overcometh. What are you overcoming? Flesh, the devil, iniquity. In other words, loving righteousness. And I will give. We have to be spirit-led. The Lord spoke to me. I believe the Lord said this to me right before church. He said, I will not build apostolic, powerful churches who refuse to be spirit-led. I don't care how good their preachers are. I don't care how good their music is. I don't care the quality of the saints, rich or poor. I will not do it any longer. I will build churches who will hear from me and will follow my voice. And I'll refuse to bless the rest like I bless it if it will hear what the Spirit says to the church. It's His church, y'all. In Him we live, and in Him we move, and in Him we have our being. We literally exist inside of Him, and now He's trying to exist inside of us. And so He is talking to us with the voice, and He wants us to hear Him. And so one of the things I believe, I believe I have shown you the path right now to get to where you're hearing. Faith, bringing righteousness, overcoming sin, moving distractions aside, and that little still small voice that has been talking all along is going to speak to you. And it's going to guide you to the next steps. Your pastor is far more than equipped to handle people who hear from the Holy Ghost without being threatened. It's not going to bother him if you prophesy and it comes true. He's probably going to be excited about it. It's not going to scare him if there's a message in tongues and interpretation and he didn't do either one of those. It'll always be subject to him. But that's not going to terrify him. If you get a Bible study fired up and you got 40 people in it, he's going to be excited for you. There's no reason for us to have blinders on any longer. It's time for the Holy Ghost 
to have its way in our services. It's time for us to walk and to hear. Amen. Praise God. You got to walk in it and you got to hear it. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, there, there's something we got to pick up on. You go home tonight when you get a chance. Read Galatians 4 and 5. There's always going to be an Ishmael and an Isaac. Ishmael had Abraham's name. He was related to Abraham. Abraham birthed him. But Ishmael did not carry covenant. We hear somebody say the name of Jesus and we're confused why others are not sure that they're of covenant. It takes a whole lot more than to say the name Jesus to be in covenant. Ishmael was stronger than Isaac. Ishmael was bolder than Isaac. Ishmael had 12 princes. Isaac had two kids who fought each other and hated each other. Anybody ever been there? You're like, you know, my everybody around me is being blessed, and here I am trying to please God, and you know, we I can't get my kids to get along. But the promised land was Isaac. Jesus was coming through Isaac. Isaac was going to endure. Jacob's going to have 12 princes. God is always going to delay the move of the Spirit. He's going to let the flesh run on out there and do its thing and show out and distract whoever will go with it. Does that make sense? I've seen it. Every, you watch. I'm asking the Lord to help you. The next time you watch something that's built in the flesh, I hope you can see Ishmael. But you know this. Isaac endures. He may be over there digging a well, going blind early, not very popular, not like Ishmael at all, but revival's coming. And when it's done, it's going to be wonderful. And I'm done. So we're going to pray for some things now. Let's pray for a moment before we go any farther. In Jesus' name, God help us. God, I pray that you would remove any doubt in this room. Any cynicism. Wounds from past failures, situations that have not gone right. Help us to have a fresh hope and to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church now. In the name of Jesus. Would everybody pray that with me? God, would you clear my mind of any doubt? Would you clear my mind of any cynicism? Hallelujah. Let there be a freshness. In my mind and in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm, I'm, I'm obligated. I hope you understand. I've been laying the groundwork. But I'm obligated to do what I felt in the spirit. What I saw. I don't ever see. And I saw. And if you are called to be a giver, I'm asking you to come up here. We're going to pray for you. And I can't do anything except say that. And y'all can leave me hanging. But some of you are called to be givers. And I'm asking you to come up here. You're not committing to a dollar right now. But we're going to pray for you that the Spirit will begin to do in you what needs to be done and flow through you. So I'm opening the floor to that right now. If that's you, come forward.
Praise God. Praise God. If you're feeling the calling to have a gift of faith, I'm asking you to come forward. We have one person coming. If you have a, uh, so let's, let's do it this way. I want the giver to come first. God's going to bless the giver. If you're a giver, I'm asking you to come now. Brother Connell is not going to come shake you down. That's not the point here. But you're saying, God, if you can do this, you can do it through me. Amen. Brother Connell and I are going to pray over you. They call it impartation. That always throws me. I'm just simply saying what Peter said, what I have I give to you. So we're going to pray over you now. I'm glad you came. It's been on you all night. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Go ahead. Hallelujah. 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 Let it flow over this man. I pray that you would remove any doubt, any fear, any concern. Let the spirit and the giving flow through him. In the name of Jesus, God, I impart it to him right now.